0: You're listening to Summit Podcasts, where you'll find sermon audio, weekly discussions of the message, the Back 40 Leadership Podcast, and much, much more. Subscribe today at summitpodcast.church and share this episode with your friends. Summit Church, every life made different.
1: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Leadership Night. Uh, I am not Mel Massingale. Uh, yeah, well. I won't tell him that you clapped. Uh, now, Pastor Mel, uh, there were, there had some issues going on, and he wasn't able to be here. In fact, uh, early today, he he contacted me and said, "Hey, I'm going to need you to 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 step in." And so, I was glad to do that. Uh, if you don't know me, if we've not had a chance to meet, my name is Todd. I'm one of the pastors here at at Summit. Uh, and so uh, I get the privilege of, of talking with you tonight about some leadership principles and some things that hopefully can help all of us uh, to grow as leaders. Uh, So first, just let me say welcome and thank you. Uh, Those of you who are joining us online, thank you for being with us. Uh, This is the first time I think that we have had Blairsville joining us as well. So those of you at our Blairsville Campus for Leadership Night, thank you so much for being here, being with us. Uh, We're going to have a great conversation Uh, During the course of the evening, uh, if Colin hasn't already told you, you can text in questions or actually give your questions to Colin. He'll text them down here to us because we'll we'll have some question and answer at the end, some discussion. And so uh, that'll give us an opportunity to to interact with you as well. So if you have questions, make sure you're getting those to us and we'll try to address them uh, when we get to the end of our our time together tonight. Uh, And then if you're here in the room... There was a sign-up sheet that's going around uh, just to let us know who's here. Uh, If you're joining us online, uh, let us know that you're in the chat. Uh, For those of you who signed the thing, um, it asked for your email address. That's if you want a copy of the notes for tonight. You don't get to pick whether you want them after you hear them. You just got to sign, you know, just sign it in faith. Uh, (laughs) But uh, that was supposed to be funnier than than you acted like it was. Uh, But anyway, uh, I'd like to to spend a little bit of time tonight talking to you about 10 ways to lift the lid on your leadership. Uh, Effective leaders are continually growing. Uh, In fact, I believe that the first challenge of leadership is to lead ourselves well. Uh, We can't effectively lead others if we haven't first uh, led ourselves, right? Uh, And so if we want our effectiveness as a leader to grow, if we want our organizations to grow, uh, if we want the people that we're leading to grow, then we have to continue growing. Uh, I had a a mentor and a pastor once who told me that he said, if, if you're not having things poured into you, then you don't have anything to pour out to the people that you lead. Right, Eventually you'll run out of stuff unless there's something continually being poured in as well. And so uh, all of us have a lid. That's the reality. All of us have a cap. Whatever place we're in, we have a cap as leaders. We have a lid as leaders. Uh, And the only way that we can raise that lid, that we can raise the ceiling on our leadership is by intentional growth. And so I want to share 10 ways that I think uh, that you can do that, 10 things that you can do that will help you to lift that lid uh, in terms of your leadership. Number one is this, include others. If you can do it alone, the job's not big enough. If you can do it alone, your vision is not big enough. Include others. In fact, Uh, God, right, who has obviously has the capacity to do the job alone, chose not to do the job alone, right? He invites us into the work that he's doing in the earth. Uh, He includes others and he invites them into that work so that they can share in the joy, uh, in the joys and help carry the burden, create opportunity, create community, all of those things. And so if God, who really didn't need to include any others because he doesn't have a lid, decided it was a good idea to include others. I think that's something that we should follow, right? Uh, Including others raises them up. It empowers them. It multiplies our effectiveness. It increases ownership and buy-in on the part of the people that we lead uh, when we include them. Uh, It gives them value and weight in your organization or in your, uh, workplace or whatever it is, whatever role of leadership that you're in, uh, when we include others in, in not only the day-to-day workings of, of what we're doing, but include others in our vision and our hopes and our dreams and where we see our organizations going, then it creates, um, well, a multiplying effect, right? Um, I I can only come up with so many ideas on my own. I can only physically do so many things on my own, but if I can get others in on that, include others, then I can do so much more than I could alone. And so the first thing that you can do to raise your leadership lid is to include others. Uh, Number two, become accountable to someone. Uh, Don't let yourself off the hook. Uh, you know, if if we if we don't set up a system of accountability for ourselves, what oftentimes happens is we may feel bad. We may even beat ourselves up a little bit emotionally about the things that we had on our list to do that we didn't get done, or the the goals that we failed to reach, or uh, you know whatever the the thing may be that I'm trying to avoid. We may I may feel bad about it, but ultimately I'll give myself a pass. Uh, you know. Uh, exercise, right? That that's one of those things for me. Like if I, I I do much better if I have a partner, right? I I, like if I, if I know there's going to be someone waiting at the gym in the morning, if I don't get up and go, like I'm way more apt to get up and to go to do that thing. And so the same is true in our leadership. If we set up an accountability for ourselves, Again, going back to the first thing, if we include others, if we invite other people in and we set up a system of accountability for ourselves, uh, then we don't let ourselves off the hook. Accountability equals progress. It just does. In whatever arena that you are working in, whether it's a matter of personal growth, whether it's goals that you have for your, your organization, whether it's, uh, goals that you have as a family, what, what, whatever arena you're leading in, accountability equals progress. Uh, it, we need it. We just, it just is something that increases our capacity for leadership, uh, makes us more effective leaders. So become accountable to someone. Number three, uh, think about working with and not working for and what I mean by that is this, rather than thinking of yourself as working for your boss or uh, rather than thinking of the people that you lead as people who work for you, think, of, think in terms of working with them. Think of them as partners in the endeavor that you, uh, that you are in, right? In the goal that you're trying to achieve in the thing that you are doing. Uh, now, that, that doesn't negate Authority. I think sometimes the reason that we might shy away from that kind of thing, and the reason that we might um, default to the thinking of "you work for me" or "I work for you," is that we we somehow have a misconception that if we are in partnership together, that that undermines a system of authority or undermine, and and that's really not the case. In fact, I remember uh, when Jennifer and I first married. Uh, We lived in Springfield, Missouri. We were going to school there. And while I was going to school, I also worked uh, at uh, an athletic shoe store. And so uh, one of the best managers, the best bosses that I ever worked with uh, used that language all the time. Uh, His name was Gary. And Gary used to say, you know, you guys don't work for me. You work with me. And that really stuck with me from that time out and and he exemplified that in the way that he ran the store in the way that he went about interacting with us in his willingness to and and we'll get to some of this other stuff actually it's going to be later on in the list but like he was He was not afraid to do the dirty work. He was not afraid to get down there with us. And like when things were busy to step in and give us a hand and to make sure that things were running well and, uh, you know, and partner with us. And At the same time, he was able to have difficult conversations with people if they weren't performing well and to do the things that leadership required. But I I never felt like that um, working with him, um, that that there was this kind of, even though there was a hierarchy in terms of the organization, I never felt like that that was an issue for him. Does that make sense? And because of that, man, like he was, he's easy to approach. You could talk to him about whatever issues you might have. you If you had an idea about how to do something better, you knew that he was going to listen. It was going to be heard. It was going to be like welcomed even. And so if we can, Think and communicate in those terms of working with people and not having them work for us or us work for them. Uh, if you're working with someone, then you give their ideas weight and value. Uh, and we can do that and uh, in, in we lead by example in that way. And it creates a sense of teamwork and camaraderie. Uh, number four, do stuff that others don't like doing. Do stuff that others don't like doing. Uh, If the people you lead see that you're willing to take on the things that no one enjoys, then they'll be a lot more apt to do the same. Uh, And what I mean by that is be willing to get dirty. And that doesn't mean that like if someone's got an aspect of their job that they don't like, that you go, well, hey, you don't ever have to do that. I'll take care of that. That's That's not it at all. But it is that willingness to come alongside them and say, hey, let me help you with that uh to get your hands dirty and 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 what What's defined as dirty work will vary from organization to organization and from job to job, right? If you're, if you're working construction, the dirty work could literally be dirty work, right? Uh, in other contexts, it may look a little bit different. But take on those tasks that alleviate pressure on others. That's really what I'm talking about when I talk about dirty work. So like if you're, if you're in a particularly busy season in your organization, or uh, let's say like Well, I'll go back to my example from from working in the shoe store, right? It's a retail environment. And so Black Friday and the holidays, back to school was always a huge time for shoe sales. Uh, You know, all of those kinds of things, the store would be extremely busy. And at those times, uh, Gary would would, uh, regularly, right, come down from the office, come out onto the main floor, grab customers and start helping you know to to serve our customers he would get behind the desk and help with with uh checking people out sometimes he would be at the front door just greeting people he would be like if 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 i if we had a bunch of customers lined up they the back of the store was what they called the shoe deck right and uh it looked like a football field and there were these benches that people would sit on and and so if they needed a pair of shoes you'd go to the back and you'd bring them out for them and sometimes you'd have a line of, of customers, right, when it was really busy, like three or four deep, every, every salesperson on the floor would have a lot of people that they were trying to, to tend to, which means that you have a bunch of shoes out on the deck because... If they ask for a size nine, well, you bring them the nine, but you also bring an eight and a half and a nine and a half because the nine might not fit. And you want to make sure that you don't have to go back again. You want to have what they need and go, here, try this other size on. Let's see if that works better. And then, you know, just trying to take care of your customers, which means that things start to stack up. And regularly, Gary would be back there. He's running the store, right? He's got other responsibilities. But when when he saw that we were in need, he would come down. He would be cleaning up shoes behind us, taking them back, putting them back in stock, take care of those things doing the dirty work and because of that like everybody on the team wanted to perform for Gary right they wanted to do well for Gary um, because he was willing to do the dirty work so do stuff that others don't like doing um, one of one of the well to me one of the great testaments to like Mel's leadership here is at the church, and I, I don't know if you guys see him do this, but I see him do it regularly. He'll come in, and he'll come through the auditorium, and if there's trash, he'll pick it up. If the chairs are out of line, he straightens them. He does all of those kinds of things that he... He doesn't have to do that, right? He could, he could tell someone else to do that. He could have someone on the staff. He could go, hey, make sure you take care of that. But he doesn't. He does the dirty work. He bends down. He picks the things up that need to be picked up. He does the things that need to be done to serve our team well, to serve our church well. Uh, and so I think that speaks volumes of a leader when they're willing to do the things that others don't like doing. So that's number four. Number five, assess your people skills. Your planning and strategic thinking, your vision and your results, assess them regularly. Have a system of regular evaluation. Regular evaluation promotes regular growth, right? Um, and this is not something that most of us do naturally. Some, people, some folks do. It's not natural for me. Maybe I should say it that way. This is something that I have to make make sure that i'm intentional about doing uh, i've gotten better as it, at it as i've gotten older i was certainly not good at that as a young younger man uh honestly i didn't i just didn't really want to evaluate the things that i wasn't that good at uh and so this requires of us Uh, a death of our ego, so to speak, right? Uh, to be willing to lay our ego aside and, um, not get too puffed up and too proud about the things that we're doing really well and not allow the things that we're, that we need to grow in the areas of opportunity to be things that cause us to, to, you know, despair or to get depressed or to get angry. Like just look at it for what it is, right? And take the opportunities that are there. Uh, As part of that regular assessment, I would say evaluate yourself and then invite others to evaluate you as well. It goes back to that system of accountability that we were talking about in number two, right? Evaluate yourself and invite others to evaluate you. In fact, um, I have, um, and I'll be glad to send it to you or attach it with the notes when Vanessa emails out the notes if you'd like me to, but I have... um, A chart actually that you can fill out it has all it has some a list of things that you can evaluate and assess yourself in in terms of leadership Uh, and then you can give that same chart to other people and have them do that and then compare those and it gives you a good good idea of what you think about yourself and what others are thinking about you and how those things might line up um That goes against the grain for us a lot of times. Uh, Most of the time we tend to live with an if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of mentality. Um, But the problem with that is that uh, it also means that we're just living with the status quo, which will become static at some point and then stagnant. Uh, So assess your skills regularly. Uh, Number six choose and achieve a meaningful milestone every day this one is really hard for me if i'm going to be honest but choose and achieve a meaningful milestone every day don't worry about eating the whole elephant just take a bite um my wife is great at this uh she loves lists she loves checklists and to-do lists and she loves to check them off and um i am I am terrible at this one if there if there's an area for me to grow in, this is one of them right uh, but make a checklist here 's the thing about this the The important word in this uh, in this one is choose and achieve a meaningful milestone every day uh, if you're anything like me i I can easily default to some kind of like busy work or uh, peripheral task that really isn't meaningful. It really isn't central to the thing that I'm trying to accomplish, but it, it feels more fun than the thing that I really should be doing. And so I'll default to that and, and I can c- accomplish something. I can get something done, but it's not really meaningful. It's not really uh, central to advancing, uh, you know, for me, like our, our our systems of discipleship here at the church, or growing our small group ministry, or that kind of thing, like uh, you know, I can I can get stuck on peripheral things, and so this requires number one that you identify what are those meaningful tasks that you need to accomplish. What are the things on your to do list that are most central to the goals that you're trying to achieve, and then make those the priority in your day. Um, rather than allowing yourself to get bogged down with other things. Uh, one of the things that's helped me in this, I mean, obviously making a list is, is uh, a really important part of this. Uh, I am not a list person. And so like, it's a habit that I've had to try and, and develop. Uh, but the other thing uh, is that once I make that list, I, I'm able to prioritize, I have to prioritize those things. I can't just go, okay, well, here's my list. I'm just going to start at the top and work my way down. Uh, that tends to not work as well because I'll inevitably get stuck on like email, right? <laughs> or something like that, that that really should be further down the list that I should relegate to a, a specific time during the day. Um, I know, man, I can't, uh, I can't remember the name of the book now. I'll, I'll have to get the name of it to you guys uh, later, but um, redeeming your time actually that's the name of the book uh, but they he talks a lot in that book about this idea and about prioritizing those things and and even goes into like identifying the times of the day when you have the most energy when you're most focused when and and making sure that you put those really important things what he calls deep work you put your deep work into those sections of the day so that then you can move the peripheral tasks to the to the times of the day when you don't have as much energy when it won't require as much focus or as much of your attention. And so like you move email into like, you know, for me, it would be like after lunch. I tend to have a dip after lunch. So I moved email to after lunch because email doesn't require as much attention and energy as some of the other things that are more important. And so I moved those things to the first thing in the morning, cause I'm a morning person. And so like I get things done in the morning. So it's like, okay, if, if, if morning is when I'm gonna have the most energy, then I need to move those important tasks to that part of the day. So then I can ensure that I can check something meaningful off of that list and I can accomplish a meaningful milestone every day. So that's number six, choose and achieve a meaningful milestone. Number seven, set feedback. Uh, when it comes to developing or seek feedback, sorry, seek feedback. When it comes to developing your leadership, seeking feedback may be the most important thing that you can do. Uh, develop an attitude that that sees feedback as a gift and not as criticism. Uh, now, sometimes it will come in the form of criticism and uh, it, you have to kind of be able to you know, uh, chew the meat and spit out the fat sometimes because people don't always have the best delivery. Uh, sometimes you might find someone, you might ask them for feedback and what they come back with is critical and it's not constructive criticism. Don't be offended by it, right? Like don't, uh, don't take offense, but maybe you don't seek feedback from that person again. Maybe they're not ready to be the person to do that for you, but find someone who's invested in your success. Um, but also someone that doesn't placate to you. Someone that's going to tell you the truth, but is invested in your success and in your growth and ask them for feedback and then be ready for it. Uh, I think it might've been last month when Pastor Mel talked about asking Dr. Gerald Brooks for feedback. And and when he did, you know, Dr. Brooks' son went, are you sure you want that? Right? <laughs> because he doesn't sugarcoat things. But at the same time, uh, Mel understood like, he wants me to succeed. He cares about the growth of Summit Church, about about the, my growth as a leader. And so, even though some of these things are painful to hear, I may not want to hear them. Uh, you know, they are going to help us to grow. They're going to help me to get better. So seek feedback. Uh, again, that requires a some you know a little bit of a thicker skin, the death of of your ego a little bit. Uh, this was not something that was easy for me uh, and I've had to grow and to learn, but man, it has been such a gift and so it has helped me tremendously uh, to invite people into my life and say, hey, where, where am I doing well? Where do I need to grow? What do you see? What, what am I not seeing? Where are my blind spots? Can you, you know, uh, it's huge. Uh, number eight, stop doing things that don't work. That's <laughs> how it's like revelational, right? Uh, stop doing things that don't work. Constant recurring frustration points uh, points to the need for change. So if there's something that's recurring and it's a constant frustration point, it's pointing to a need for change in, in, in the way that you're doing things. Uh, and that's where that continual assessment comes in that we talked about a little bit before. If you're constantly and consistently evaluating, you'll be able to identify what's not working. And here's the thing we have to ask ourselves in regard to this, because sometimes even when things aren't working, we're resistant to changing them. And so, if you're resistant to abandoning something that's not working, you need to figure out why. Uh, You know, sometimes it's about our comfort level. Sometimes it's because we're afraid of upsetting someone else. Sometimes it's because, well, that's just the way that we've always done it. And you know, maybe maybe you don't have a, a better idea. And maybe that goes back to, you know, to earlier in our list where we talk about don't do it alone. Maybe you've not invited anybody else into the process. And so you're fresh out of ideas. But if you got some fresh eyes onto that thing, they might be able to help you with that. And so stop doing things that don't work. Um, I don't know how long most of you have been. Most of you have been around Summit for for a while. Uh, If you have, then you know things. The only thing, the the only thing what's the word? I can't remember the phrase. Anyway, everything changes around here. That's just the quick way to say it, right? Things are always changing. Um, And some of that is by design, because we... We want people to know that there is nothing that is sacred around here except the gospel, right? Except the message of Jesus. And whatever we have to change, whatever we have to do, whatever's not working, we're gonna set that aside and we're gonna try new things. And if that doesn't work, we'll try something else. And you know, so like um but that some of that is by design, some of that is because we've put this kind of philosophy into place. We're we're just gonna stop doing things that don't work. Uh, and and so uh, that will will grow your your lid as a leader. Number nine, put yourself in stressful situations. Now, there's a difference between I want to make sure that you know we understand. There's a difference between living in chronic stress and putting yourself into stressful situations. And what I mean by putting yourself into stressful situations is. Put some pressure on yourself. Set some high goals for yourself. Set some things that will stretch you. Make sure that you're not just resting and comfortable in your leadership. Do some things that will, like, set some goals that if you fail, it will matter. Set some goals that if you fail, it will matter. If your failure doesn't matter, the stakes aren't high enough. So put yourself in stressful situations. Um, Pressure makes diamonds, right? Uh, Sam Chan wrote a book called Leadership Pain, and he said, often the difference between where I am and where God wants me to be is the pain that I'm unwilling to endure. Right, and so where are those pain points that maybe you need to to push a little bit more just to because that's the thing that's preventing you from getting to the place that you're wanting to go or getting your organization to the place that it wants that you want it to be so put yourself in stressful situations and then lastly number 10 read 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 grow your knowledge uh what are you reading right now right what are you doing to develop your attention span? Because here's the I I think a lot of times when people say, "Man, I don't like to read," what they're really saying is I don't have the attention span for reading. And and here's the thing, that's something that we can develop. We we have short attention spans because we have been conditioned to have short attention spans. Uh I'll confess, I've been watching TikTok videos quite a bit recently, uh, mostly like guitar stuff and then stupid, silly things I can send to my family, my family. Uh, but what I have noticed, those are, those are really short videos, right? I mean, a long TikTok is three minutes uh, and most of them are like 30 seconds or less, right? Um, what I have noticed is that now if I sit down to do something that takes a longer amount of focus, I find myself zoning out after 30 seconds to three minutes. And I went, oh, that's not good, right? Uh, But just like we can and do condition our attention spans for short bursts of things, we can condition ourselves to be able to focus for longer periods of time. And so read for development, right? Whether it's both in terms of learning and growing as a leader and in terms of just stretching that muscle, right? Uh, I would also encourage you to read for pleasure. Um, it, it, yeah. Uh, and then I would say, uh, really, in terms of this this one, I think reading in particular is extremely important, but there are other ways to gain knowledge as well, and this is really about gaining knowledge. Uh, I, lo- also, I love audiobooks, uh, and I love podcasts. Um, I, I don't think that my retention rate is as high for those as it is for actually sitting down and reading a book Um, but there is value there as well so that's really the thing is about growing your knowledge and so those are ten things that I think that we can implement that will help us to grow our lids as leaders and so now we're, I'm just going to open up the floor and if you guys have any questions or comments, those of you who are there in Blairsville, we, uh, we invite you if you're online, uh, post a question in, in, the, in the comments there and we will do our best to field it and to, we'll, uh, we'll poll the audience if I, don't, if I don't have, you know, an idea.
2: I, I won't promise anything. no question but a comment um if anybody doesn't know uh number 10 uh if you go get your library card from indiana library a they got a lot of books but b there's also an app called hoopla yeah tons of free books audiobooks, movies um i would say they have nine out of ten books that i ever want um either to read or audio yeah absolutely um
1: i i use hoopla it's great so if you uh You know, if you don't have a library card, uh, that'll get you access to not only the books in the library, but a a huge uh, virtual library as well. It's really, really good. Thank you. Thank you, Sean.
0: How do you know when to give up on a project and write it off as something that didn't work, especially when there are so many successful people who say that perseverance is a virtue?
1: So, uh... I think there are a couple of things Uh, number one I would go back to uh, inviting other people in and getting constant feedback. If you're doing those things, then other people will be able to speak into that as well. Uh, sometimes we can be really attached to a project or to a particular way of doing things or whatever. And so we can't see the forest for the trees. And so inviting other people in and saying, hey, I need your honest assessment of this uh, is, is a really, really good thing to do and can help us have some clarity on that. And sometimes, uh, sometimes it's just a small tweak, but we don't see it because we're too close to it. And so sometimes it may not be working just because something small needs to be changed. And so inviting others in and if they see that and they were able to make that small thing, then that thing that maybe has been a frustration point all of a sudden becomes something really good. Uh, But if we make those changes and it still doesn't work, then, you know, just that might be the time to abandon it. But I think, I think feedback from other people is always the, the best way to gauge that.
0: Yeah, I like the idea of um, getting a multiplicity of viewpoints and then, because what you can see is that if people from a variety of different perspectives are able to all converge on one particular flaw with something that you're doing, then yeah. the chances that that's an actual flaw are much higher. And so I think that's useful. So you mentioned including others. Here at Summit, we say that it's more important or that we prefer to develop leaders rather than to develop doers. And so I would want you to explain the difference between a leader and a doer. And do you think that there's crossover? Where is the crossover? What does that look like?
1: I mean, I, I certainly think that there, there is some crossover. I mean, leaders have to do things, right? Um, but It's also possible for someone to like, be a really hard worker and be someone who is really good at getting tasks done, but isn't the kind of person who brings someone along with them and raises someone else up and trains them to do those same things so that then they can give attention to something else and bring someone along and so so it's not that leaders aren't doing things it's the multi, it's the multiplication factor that determines leadership and so the you know if i'll say it this way workers workers grow by addition right like i can let's say let's say i you know whatever widget i'm working on i may be a really good worker i can make this widget Then I can make another one, and then I can make another one, and I may be even really fast at it, but it's by addition. It's only going to grow by addition. If I am a leader, things will grow by a factor of multiplication, right? Uh, It may be slower at first because I have to bring someone else along to show them what we're doing, but then, like, there are two of us who are making widgets, and then I can let that person continue to make widgets, and I can bring someone else in, and I can train them to make the widget. And then, so it's a it's the factor of multiplication that that determines leadership, uh, but leaders still have to do the tasks as well.
0: Yeah, let me um, play the opposite side of the board for a minute because so we imagine we have leaders in here from a variety of different domains. Um, are there certain fields do you think where? Uh, like an athlete mentality might work better. So you have like a coach and then you have a team of athletes and each athlete is trying to be the best possible athlete they can be. And that push ends up being good for everyone, even though it's self-oriented in in some respect. I think it was the economist, uh, Sam, Sam Smith, no, Adam Smith, Adam Smith. He said that if everyone was trying to do the best for themselves, and kind of, uh, in their families let's say, and they were thinking about that kind of prosperity, that collectively it would raise all boats. And so I'm trying to figure out where, I'm trying to figure out whether or not there are fields where the doer um, is the preferred model.
1: You know, I don't, I don't know, Michael. I mean, doers are always going to be needed, right? I mean, like, you need people who, you know, if you're digging ditches, you need a guy who's digging the ditch. And you need a guy, like, who enjoys that, that part of the job and wants to do that and, like, flourishes there. Uh, but I would say, like, the very best teams that I've ever been on yes, each of those members of the team is invested in their role in their job, but the very best teams also coach one another, right? And so there's, this, there's always that mutual investment in the flourishing of others that I think creates the very best environments for success.
0: Yeah, I'll illustrate a point where that was true just today even, I think. Um, like you can, you can be confined to your department and you can say, okay, well, like, for instance, if I'm in production, I can say, well, as long as production's good, then I don't care about the other departments. Like, if they don't do well, then that's no skin off my back. That would be like a 100% narrow-sighted doer mentality, right. whereas the leader would be, okay, I have the vision of the whole organization in my mind, and so I need to help achieve that. And so that's where the lateral leading happens. Yeah. That, that helped a lot, yeah, when you explained that.
1: Sheldon
3: I was just wondering if you can elaborate on the importance of discipline for leadership and then maybe provide some context and examples of how how to build that into our lives more
1: So are you talking about like self-discipline or yeah, yeah. Um, well I think I think we understand like implicitly like it just the importance of, of, of self-discipline in terms of success. Uh, If we go back to, you know, we love sports metaphors, right? But if you go back to an, an athletic endeavor, like I remember the first, the first marathon that I trained for, um, you know, like, well, the, I'll say this, the first marathon I attempted, I actually didn't end up running that one because Uh, I didn't follow the training regimen in the way that I needed to. And I I wasn't as, as disciplined and intentional with building up to the mileage that I needed to and all of that kind of thing. Um, and, and being, being thoughtful and disciplined in when I was taking my runs that I was training for a marathon. It was called the Prairie Fire. It's in August in Kansas. It's in, it's brutally hot. Right. And so I'm training in, uh, in June and July, uh, and, um, And there were reasons that I chose to take my runs in the middle of the day. Uh, We had really young kids at the time. Both Jennifer and I both worked. And so I was trying to fit my runs in when, when my dad responsibilities were the least. But running in the mid nineties, in the middle of the day in July in Kansas was not the best choice for, for my success as a runner for this marathon. And I remember one particular day, uh, I was running, uh, and it was, uh, I think it was an 18 mile run that day. Um, and I got about halfway through and my legs were cramping up, and my skin felt like salt. Right, it felt like grit, and there was no moisture left. And I, and I, I actually just had to stop. And I, I called Jennifer. I said, "I'm going to need you to come and get me." Right, I was cramping up. It was, it was awful. Uh, and so uh, I, I blew my training regimen, and as a result, I wasn't able to achieve the goal that I had. I had to, to not run that race. I ended up not physically being able to do it. And then I had to, the next time, change the way that I approached the race in order to get to the goal. Uh, And so I think we understand the importance of discipline. It's just that for most of us, uh, the lack of discipline that we have in whatever area in our leadership that's needing to grow hasn't resulted in us cramping and and dehydrated on the side of the road, right and so unfortunately oftentimes until we crash and burn we don't we don't make the change that needs to be made um, and so I, I don't know if that answers your question but
3: yeah, I was just thinking like when you have personal stress- Structures and personal systems that you can set up through your day Mm -hmm. that keep you kind of in those Like lanes of productivity. Yeah, and like driving that momentum forward Um, You know whether that's like a continuous improvement uh, philosophy for the work that you're doing or just that feedback loop like you're telling like that self-evaluation that growth like having that stuff kind of built into the way that you operate throughout the day um it's sort of like each little step you take day after day it's not you're not going to like take leaps and bounds necessarily but when you look back over the course of like a year or two years you're going to see a lot of you know progress yeah. that's actually been
1: yeah know, absolutely contained. like Uh, What I was talking about, about setting my day into blocks and focusing on deep work in the morning and moving, like, email to different times, and and part of that was turning off notifications on my phone and things like that, Uh, like... It made a massive difference in my, my productivity. And there are things, you know, I'll accomplish more in, in those like three or four hours in the morning than I was accomplishing in a full day before. It, it, didn't, it didn't happen immediately, right? Because there were habits that I had that I had to kind of undo. Uh, but once I got that kind of rolling and into place, it made a massive difference. We have a
0: couple questions from Blairsville. Uh, the first one is, what is the profile of a person who an owner or manager can look for as an accountability partner in order to grow?
1: Oh, man. Uh, the profile of a person. Gosh, I, that's that. You guys have it. I'll, I'll poll the audience for this one. Uh.
0: I think honesty is like a good first step. I mean, if they're not going to tell you the truth, then that won't
2: work. True. Yeah, I, so I was gonna say somebody that is willing to say something boldly, like not no, not too worried about your feelings, um, but not to hurt your feelings. Yeah, um, and somebody that understand that is willing to ask enough questions to understand where you're trying to get, so they can put you on the right path. Um, going back to your question, Sheldon, right? Um, there's a good book, Compound Effect, uh, that talks about that building over time. Um, Atomic Habits, Habits also gets into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the time blocking and recognizing what, where you're efficient, you know, like when to do email, when can you get into deep work um, and, and figuring out your energy and, and blocking your day around that, it's a game changer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think going back to the question about the profile of someone, uh, i think you need someone who understands what your role is right you you can't ask someone who doesn't know what know your your job you know for feedback into what your job should be they need to understand what your role is uh they need to be invested in your success you you want to ask somebody that you know cares about seeing you succeed uh, but as already has been said is also willing to be brutally honest with you um uh, brutal may not be the right word but did you
2: Say, if you're trying to find somebody to, to do that with, find another like I, I own, our own our own business, and so find another business owner that's doing a similar yeah. type of thing, similar type of level. Maybe not a just a not just a supervisor, but someone at where you're at that, like you said, can 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 help you out through through tough times and things like that. So, um, I go to a Bible study at the, at the airport every Thursday, and it's a lot of you know, wheelers of dealers in towns, honestly. Yeah, that can can help out. So,
1: yeah, I, I think I think that's a a great insight. Like, you know, if you know someone else who's in a similar role that you're in, and maybe they're maybe they're even a little further uh, along in in terms of the the growth of their organization, or they're a, a you know a step above you on the the you know chain of command, or on the, the you know hierarchy, or whatever the flow chart, You know, that would be something. I know for me, like. Uh, there are a couple of other pastors that I that I call and talk to Um, Bob Santos who was a part of Summit Church for a long time like Bob is a guy who really understands discipleship and development and helping people to grow in in their faith and so like he's a guy that I talk to a lot and, and and can lean on so I think that's a really important part of that profile as well
0: Another question from Blairsville, how do I manage an employee and work with them while still encouraging them to do their job so that I can do mine?
1: Hmm. I would I would maybe need some more details on that to really… Well,
0: yeah, so I can maybe help unpack this a little bit for… I don't know if this is, this is the person's situation, but I was… Uh, you had mentioned being quick to jump into the dirty work. What if you are in an environment where the people around you are likely to take advantage of you for that? Should you still do it or would that have a diminishing return?
1: So I'll go back to that and say the, the caveat with doing the dirty work is, is that I would say you want to do those things um, when it alleviates pressure from the people around you not when not not enabling them to not do their work but when it alleviates pressure like when when there's a particularly busy season or there's a particularly like there's a, a a, a time crunch, right? There's a deadline that needs to be met and you know that stepping in and helping with this particular thing will alleviate a lot of the pressure and help people to achieve the goal, help us to get across that finish line in the, in the time that we need to. That's what I mean by being willing to do the dirty work is, is in those moments. Uh, but there's a really big difference between doing that and leading by example in that way and enabling people uh, to, to not do their their work. Uh, and so, uh, I would say if, if, you know, you need to going back to the evaluation thing, give, let somebody else speak into it, but make sure that you're not enabling that person, right? Make sure that you're not, um, that you're not booing poor performance because we don't want to do that, right? Um, we want to, but we do want to help and come alongside and, and lead in that way.
0: Yeah. So maybe a good, um. First step or a good preparatory step towards um, deciding or towards working with someone would be the selection process of evaluating your entire staff. If you're an owner or a manager, look for the people who are under a lot of pressure at that particular time. Because it might just be the schedule, right? Like it might not be that they're a bad performer. It's just a busy season for that particular department. And then you go there and you help that person. And then you just kind of do right. that from place to place. Yeah.
1: So like, you know, needing... Needing to step in or choosing to step in from time to time to alleviate pressure, is is much different from doing pieces of that person's job on a day to day basis because they are failing to get them done. That's a, a those are different issues. All right, so it's um. Actually, a little little past the time that I said we would do this, but Blairsville, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to pitch it back to Colin. We're going to continue to have conversation here, but you guys are going to have some, some closing conversation there just in the room together. Thank you so much for being here tonight. We love you guys, and we'll see you again really soon. So for those of you who are with us online or those of you who are still in the room, we've got a, about 10 minutes left. If you if you have any other comments or questions or thoughts, we can continue uh, some of that discussion.
0: I'm gonna check online All right. real quick and then it um, doesn't look like we have anyone there. Uh, Tracy Stancombs just said some great points about your monologue at the beginning. Oh, and
1: thank you, Tracy, that's kind.
0: Okay, so You had mentioned um, choosing meaningful milestones. So as opposed to choosing meaningful milestones, do you think there's value in choosing processes you love rather than goals you love so that you actually enjoy the process of working? Why
1: or why not? Um, Can you give me an example?
0: Well, so for me, um, I try to read my Bible two hours a day, and I don't even know why I'm doing it, why I'm doing that. I mean, I know essentially why I'm doing it. Right. There's no clear target as to why I should be doing that. But I've, I've tried to cultivate a process that I love so that my day is actually worse. I enjoy my day less if I don't do that process. Yeah. And so anything, any kind of productive work that I have, I try to manipulate the process so that the process becomes a boon to the enjoyment of my actual day. It starts to benefit me. To actually do the process anyone who works out long enough would start to say that they enjoy the process of working out um maybe yeah. not anyone but
1: yeah i mean i think there's some benefit to that i mean I, I think certainly i mean um honestly one of the things that almost made my list of 10 was to to do something physical right um because it it creates resilience it, it you know it like we handle stress better when we are, you know, engaged in physical activities and do exercise and that kind of thing. Uh, but you know, to your point, like two hours spent reading your Bible, uh, you know, is something that, that is life giving to you. And so certainly, uh, that would be beneficial for the rest of your day. Right. And so if you, that's, that's a, I mean, great idea to start your day with something that, that brings life and energy to you. Like, I get up between 5 and five thirty every morning um i make some coffee i sit down at the table with my bible and my notebook and i spend usually 30 minutes to an hour it varies but i spend that time before anybody else gets up uh and if i don't do that um you know it, it's not that i have a bad day but it sets a different tone for my day than the, than what I want. I certainly feel like I accomplish more. I'm more focused. I'm more in tune with, with the voice of the Holy spirit, all of those things. If I, if I prioritize that and make that the first thing that I do in the morning. Uh, and so I, I mean, I think that's a process that I've set up in my life, but I think it goes back to kind of what we we're talking about with that self-discipline and the way that that then begins to reap benefits as you're, you know, as you're reaching goals and moving forward. I think like, uh, that kind of brings like a c- correlation whenever I thought about that to the difference between like being grateful with something versus uh, content. Mm-hmm. And you could be Happy about a situation you're in with a process, but if you have a, like a goal, like a, a goal you're continuing chasing, then it can be uh, you can be discontent with it, which would lead to creativity to like attack it a different way. You'd be happy about
2: it for sure, but like the discontent, be like maybe I could do something better. You know, maybe yeah. I can look at this like at a, a different angle. So, uh.
1: Yeah. Uh, and and to go back, um, Michael to as far as the meaningful goals thing, I think that whatever processes that we set in place, um, no matter how much we enjoy them, if they are not leading us toward meaningful goals, then then, then their value is diminished, no matter how much I might enjoy that particular
3: process.
0: So this is a... This question might be hard to answer, so you can pitch it to the room um, if you'd like. Um, Do you think that it's possible that there are processes hidden in your workflow that are as yet untapped, and that if you step back from the way you do things daily and you ask yourself the question, if I started doing something differently or if if I got myself this kind of tool or if, You know, for instance, if I walked 10 miles a day, barefoot, I might find it much more enjoyable to walk in walking shoes and all I did was change the walking shoes and it changed the whole process. And so do you think that there are, back to the original question, do you think there are processes hidden in your workflow that you could discover if you asked those questions? Like how would you go about that discovery process?
1: How would I go about that discovery process? So, the short answer to your question, as far as are there processes that are hidden in your workflow? Absolutely, 100%. For all of us, there are, there are, things that just a small change would would open up you know a whole other realm of efficiency maybe for us or whatever uh so absolutely there those things are there uh as far as discovering them i think again i would go back to number five on the list which is assess your people skills your planning skills your strategic thinking your vision and your results regularly look at them, assess them, and invite other people to do the same. That's how we discover those things. Um, I will say, though, in regard to processes that, uh, and we need to probably wrap up after this, but don't let efficiency be the only rule as far as processes because sometimes, uh, man, sometimes the thing that's least efficient is actually the thing that... um, brings me the most joy <laughs> like uh, you know um and, and so which which then will reap dividends in other areas like okay michael so like uh some people might say for example like spending 2 hours reading the scriptures might not be the most efficient use of your time i i, I think that's a great use of time by the way but someone might say that's not the most efficient use of your time but the, the effect that it might have on you both in terms of your spiritual growth and in terms of like setting the tone for your day and that kind of thing, uh, can reap benefits later on in the day, uh, that a more quote unquote efficient process might not produce.
0: Yeah. I think that's really smart to talk about. Um, not making efficiency the, gu- the guiding ethic for determining your process, because you don't, like you said, there might be benefits past the horizon that you don't see yet, and if you don't see them, then the process could seem, in- or could seem uh, the-, the value of the process could seem diminished, but that's just because you don't see the benefits that are coming in the future as a consequence of the yeah. process, and so.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, it is almost eight o'clock and so we will wrap it up. Thank you guys online for joining us. Thank all of you for being here. Uh, It's been fun for me. I hope uh, it's been beneficial for you. Uh, Mel will be back next month, uh, the first Wednesday of October. And so uh, look forward to that. Make sure you mark that down on your calendars. Um, God bless you. Have a good night.
0: If you enjoy this content, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also contact us at summitpodcast.church. Remember to share this episode with your friends and on social media. Summit Podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Thank you for listening to Summit Podcasts, and we will see you in the next episode.